Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus was teaching the Sermon of the Mount, we know that, and he's addressing the multitudes and his disciples, and you can see that in uh, chapter 5, verse 1 or 2. So let's begin in chapter 6, and we'll just read these, and I'll, I'll probably come back to this. Verse 7, so here it says, and when he... When you pray, Jesus says, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need before you ask him. Then he says in verse 9, in this manner, therefore, pray. And so the Lord's Prayer uh, what I learned when I was growing up in the church was something that you did for penance uh, or you just did as a repetitious thing. And the beginning of the prayer says, Our Father. Now, Jesus says different things, and one of them, he says to the scribes and the Pharisees, he says that if you knew the Father... And I'm kind of paraphrasing. If you knew the Father, then you would hear me or you would know me. And so there are those here that this is not related to. Not everyone can pray our Father. And some of the very ones that espouse the repetition of this prayer do not have the understanding or the relationship with the Father to pray it. It's very ironic. So I was taught, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and to repeat that. And I was taught by many of those who do not even have a relationship or did not have a relationship with the Lord. Maybe some did, but very few did. And so it's not about the, repeti re um, the repeating, the repetitious thing. It's a heart poise but even more than that, it's a desire to function in what is being said here. So when you read this prayer, uh, or if you pray the prayer, if you are uh, in that relationship with the Father, there is to be a desire in the heart to move into or to have that which is prayed or said here, moving, working, functioning in the heart. That's the purpose of the prayer. And so in another place, Jesus said, or no, Paul says, in your hearts, he talks about being in your heart, you crying, Abba, Father. And of course, that's one of his epistles, and it's related to those who are in relationship to the Father. So those who are not in this relationship can pray this prayer, can say this prayer, and they can do it over and over and over and over again. And it has very little value and maybe very little meaning as far as understanding what's really going on here. Because, it's, because as I said, it's not about the repetition. It's about that that would be a prayer that these things would start to function within the individual. Verse 9, hallowed be your name. 
Verse 10, your kingdom come. So someday the kingdom will be established on this earth. I mean, that's a given. All you need to do is read the book of Revelation, and you will see that eventually the physical, the actual kingdom of God will be established here on the earth. But it may not be established in every Christian's heart, the kingdom of God. So the kingdom, they came to Jesus, the um, scribes and Pharisees, they come to Jesus and they say, when will the kingdom come? And he says, well, the kingdom will not come by observation or by visible signs. Now, when he says that, he has his disciples right there, so he's talking to the religious leaders and also his disciples. And he says that the kingdom is not going to come with visible signs, because that's what they were looking for. The Jews were looking for the establishment of the kingdom to get out from under the Roman occupation and so on. Uh, and then he goes on and he says right after that, he says, for the kingdom of God is within you. Now the kingdom of God being within is not applicable to everyone either. Just like not everyone can say our father. It deals with, first of all, having this, this relationship that we talk about with the Lord. So in order for the kingdom, thy kingdom come, for, in order for that to be established in the Christian's heart and life, see, that's what the Lord is after. As I said, that's going to happen. The kingdom is going to be established in the world eventually. But the kingdom being established in the Christian's heart is something different. See, the kingdom of God is within you. Maybe, maybe not. So for the kingdom to be established in your heart, in my heart, will mean that we will come under and start moving under and in certain kingdom principles. For example, that you must die in order to live. That is a kingdom principle. Except the seed fall into the ground and die. It abides alone. But if it dies, then it brings forth much fruit. See, that's a kingdom principle. Now, I can read the Bible, and I can know that's a kingdom principle. I can, I can hear it taught. But that does not mean that that particular aspect of the kingdom of God is functioning in my life. The only way it's functioning in my life is if I die. Not physically, if I, if I die to myself, to you know, what I want to do, all that, you know. So not all Christians are willing to have certain kingdom principles established in their heart. They can pray the prayer, thy kingdom come, in the physical realm. But what about the kingdom coming and being established in my heart? And then you have another kingdom principle. To become rich, you must become poor. Jesus was poor in spirit. If you save your life, you'll what? You'll lose it. That's a kingdom principle. See, there's, there's certain kingdom principles Jesus taught. Paul picks up on certain ones. And they're in the scriptures. And we read the scriptures. And the purpose 
of reading the Scripture is not just to read the Scripture. The purpose is that perchance when we read something, it may be that very thing at that particular time that the Spirit of God will breathe upon, and now that will become life, or you will have, and I will have the opportunity to do that and have a desire to have that in my life, your life, to start to function in that, to move in that. And then that principle then becomes established in my, in my life, in your life. So then, are you understanding what I'm saying? Thy kingdom come for me personally. These things working in me. His kingdom being established in my life, in your life. So, you know, we're all individuals. We all have uh, a different relationship with the Lord. Some, you know, they come to church. You know, the churches are full of people who come to church. But a careful examination of a life, you may find that there are certain things lacking. So that you you go into a church, and if you're around certain people for any length of time, you can begin to see if, in reality, the kingdom has come into their life. Well, because they're dead to their life. They're, they're dead to things. They're moving in a different way than, than others. Because of their choice, they have decided to lose their life here in this earth so that they would have the life of Christ moving and functioning in them. So the Lord desires that the kingdom would come. Now the next part of the verse says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the will of the Father is accomplished in heaven. Do you know that? When you look at the uh, vision in Ezekiel, when you look at the vision in Isaiah, when you look at the vision in Revelation of the throne, of all that that's going on, all these different things, all the activity, all that is moving and functioning according to the will of the Father. These angels, these cherubim, they're just not doing their own thing because they want to do something. They're moving in a certain way because of the direction of the Spirit of God where the Father is sending them. So, you, you know, you see them go east, west, north, south, all that, all directed by the will of the Father. So the will of God on a global scale will be done eventually, as I said in Revelation. But will the will of God be done in the individual Christian's life? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, I'm praying that that the will of God as it's done in heaven, would be done not on the physical earth, although that's going to happen, yes, but on this earth, on this earth, me. I'm praying that the, the will of God will be done on this earth, on, on my, in my life, on me. And for some, that, might, that prayer might not be fulfilled, not because God doesn't want it fulfilled, but because... They have chose to go their own way, and it's impossible to be fulfilled in their life. In Matthew 7, when you read the Sermon on the Mount, 
interspersed here, uh, throughout here, you will see this thought of the, w the will of God. It's mentioned several times. It's alluded to quite a bit. And it can be seen graphically in some scriptures that we're going to look at. Now, for the, the Lord's will to, to be done, one must, chapter 7, verse 13, enter by the straight gate. Or the New King James says, enter by the narrow gate. So that's a necessity. You and I, when we decided for the Lord, when he came to us and we said yes, we entered into a different place than the world is. So even though we are in the world and in our natural setting we function in the world, but we are somewhere else. So we have entered into this narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. It leads to loss. It leads to ruin. And you can see that in the world. And you can see that many times in, in your personal life, those around you, uh, maybe uh, co-workers, neighbors, whoever, where you can begin to see the loss and destruction in their life. Now, we go to the jail. We were there Thursday. And it's quite evident when, when I go there and you start to minister that you're looking out and you're seeing loss, you're seeing destruction, you're seeing ruin in a lot of people's lives. Those who have called upon the Lord even at a younger age, now because they have not continued in the straight way or in the narrow way, now their lives are a mess. Now they need delivered. Now they need a touch of the Lord. Now they need lifted up. So people many times don't believe whenever they make their choices and they go their way, they don't believe that what's going to happen if you, when you give it enough time, there's going to be loss, there's going to be destruction, there's going to be ruin. They don't, they don't see it. The, all they see is where they are, what they want, and their decision. They, they don't see out past that most of the time. And then before you know it, you know, the word of God is true. Before you know it, five years goes by, ten years goes by, however long. And then you look at the person's life now, and it's a mess. And they got into all this, and then now they're looking, so what, what's going on? This is not what I thought it was going to be. So sometimes people don't believe that the wide way leads to loss and ruin. I mean, even people that should know better, they don't believe. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. They enter in. That's the entrance. That's the way they're going. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So there's a phrase in verse 13 and verse 14, the same phrase, that is very, very important, not only to see, but to go toward and to enter into. And that is the way. Broad is 
the way. Difficult is the way to life. So there are two ways there. One is the wide way, one is the narrow way. One is the way that leads to destruction and loss. One, one is the way that leads to, to life and to blessing. So for the Lord's will to be done, one must enter into the way. Must enter in, in this particular way. And they must stay in the way. They must find out what the way is. So what is the way? You'll say, Jesus. Well, I know that. But if I were to ask you, each one of you, to tell me what is the way, we would all have a different answer to that question. Because the way that you are to go will be a little different than the way that someone next to you has to go. Because the will of God for you is going to be the personal will of God for you is going to be a little different than the person next to you. So you have to find out what the way is. See, the pastor can't do that for you. Oh, he can preach. He can show you that that's it. You have to go this way. But then when you go that way, you will have to find the way for you. You know, what is the will of God for you? And then it says in verse 14, the way of life, will be found, and that is going to be found in the will of God, for you, for me, the personal will of God. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, so what is the will of God for you? Well, the scriptures tell us a general thing as far as the will of God, what he wants. There are general things in the scriptures that apply to all of us. And then there, there comes to the personal or the specific things. So this here is a general thing that is to apply to you and I. Verse 3. For this is the will of God, or this is the present will of God, your sanctification, you know, your separation, your being brought to another place, uh, where you function in, in holiness. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. Now he's going on and he's adding to what he what he's said there at the beginning. This is the will of God. That each of you should know how to possess his vessel. See, you do that. The Lord doesn't do it for you. You learn from him how to possess your vessel. And then he makes it a reality. He works then. That you should know how to possess, or each of us should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. See, we're doing that for our own benefit. Not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. So that is the will of the Father for our life. Sanctification, holiness, and so on. That is the will of God for us. Now in Matthew, 
or no, Mark, it says this. Remember whenever Jesus was there and they come to him and they said, Jesus, your mother and your brother are outside and they want to speak to you. And Jesus said, he points to his disciples, he says, these are my mother, my brothers, my sister. These are. And so outside, you have the natural relationship. You know, Jesus had a natural relationship with them, you know, flesh and blood. But inside, there's something else going on, and that is a re relationship by new nature. By new These are my brother, my mother, my, my sister, and so on. I want you to move in that relationship. If you want to have a relationship that is close to me, it's not the natural thing out there, but it is the spiritual thing or the new thing, the new creation in Christ in here inside that is going to bring the closeness there. So Jesus centers upon this. See, and this is dealing with the will of God. How important is it? Well, it's important because you can't have this relationship with Jesus without it. You can't. This is where you are to be. This is, this is the function in your life, your sanctification. Now, I like what David, it said, it said of David, uh, Paul says this. It says, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers. After he had served his own generation by the will of God. This is an exciting thing. Because we all have this opportunity today to move in the will of God for our life, whatever that may be, and to serve our generation by the will of God. And so I, I was talking with Jim Thursday morning, and we're on our way down to the jail, and many times you go and you really don't feel like going. I, I wanted to sleep in. You know, I didn't want to necessarily go. I mean, I, I wanted to go, but yet, you know how it is. Like, I didn't want to get up on Thanksgiving and go. But you do what the will of God is, and you go and you do it. And in doing it, you find it, and you do it. In doing it, you serve your own generation by the will of God. So whenever, you know, you leave the scene here, and I don't mean leaving church, I mean this life, you could have served your generation by the will of God. And see, what happens is whenever you leave, other things continue on of your life. That's how it works. But it has to be done in the will of God. Now, in Ephesians... Six, do you know the will of God for your life? Do you young people, do you know the will of God for your life? Well, you might not know specifically what the Lord wants to do with your life 5, 10, 15 years from now. But you know today what you are to be doing today. You need to just do what you know to do. You, you need to go to church, you need to read the Bible, all the basic things. Spend some time with the Lord. Obey your parents. You obey your parents? 
Do you contribute in your household? Or are you a taker or are you a contributor? See, there are certain things that you have to do now that are the will of God. You, you function a certain way. Just do it. Now you, that you lay the, the groundwork, the framework, to where now you're doing what you are to do. I remember years ago when the Lord called me to the church before it was the church. <laughs> you know, and it's a long story, a long story, but I knew that I was to, to be in this particular place. And then I knew I was to be in this home prayer meeting in Moon Township. And then when the Lord started a church, I knew us to be at the Sheraton Inn. And then when the, when the Lord started the Bible school, I knew I was to be involved with that. It's just like you, you just go along with the program and the Lord reveals to you what it, it is that you're to do or what you're to be involved with. And for me, it started being involved in one place at that time and staying with it. No matter what came down the road, no matter how difficult it was, you stay with it. So now when you do that, see, that's the will of God for your life. Now you're in a place where the Lord can personally show you maybe what to do next year. You know, he moves you into a certain way. Or five years from now, all that starts to open up at a certain point. You start to see it. But you don't see it in the beginning. You may have a glimpse. You may say, well, Lord, you know, what are you going to do with my life? It's like, I'm, have you ever feel like you're on pause? <laughs> you know, you listen to music, you hit the little pause button, you got those two little bars. Oh, that's me. I'm on pause. Well, that's okay. The Lord can put you on pause and, you know, sit you there for five, six, seven years. And you just, you know, take in the word, take in the word, take in the word, and all of a sudden... Boop, he presses the pause button, and then you got the little triangle and play. There you go. Ephesians 6, verse 6. Not with eye servants as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So you don't want to get up out of the nice warm covers and go to the jail. The Lord had me teach in another Bible school the past weeks. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I'm going to the jail. I'm teaching in the Bible school. I'm teaching Sunday school. And you want me to go to Newcastle? And I thought, well, I really don't want to drive all. I do, but yet I don't. You know how we are. But I want to do whatever it is the Lord wants me to do with the right heart attitude. And I like this. It says, doing the will of God from the heart. I mean, it's, it's not based on feelings. I don't feel like doing it. No. You just go ahead and you do it. And you find out that in the doing, something happens. You do it from your heart. It just, it's, it's a flow. You just do it. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. So, you know, it's good to do things... No matter what you do, Paul says, do it as unto the Lord. Now, back in Matthew 7, you know, I think one of, the t one of the things that really throws Christians, especially younger Christians, 
is this thought that's, that permeates the church many times that you have to be doing something. And if you're not doing something, something's wrong with you as a Christian. Um, now, it's good to do for the Lord, to serve the Lord, and to get involved with his work. But that's not the whole picture, you know. Remember that Jesus said, I will make you to become fishers of men. That's a process. To become means there's a process involved. And so many times we want to go from the beginning, we want to get right out there and we want to preach, we want to teach, we want to, you know, whatever it may be. You know, we want to go on the mission field, we want to do this for the Lord, we want to do that for the Lord, we want to go, you know, serve in the soup kitchen for the Lord. And that desire is good. But one must wait for the will of God, for the timing of God, when it comes to any of this. Now, that's not taught some places, because they just say, okay, you want to go to the mission field? We'll make it a, a reality. You go, where do you want to go? Uh, New Zealand? Okay, you can go to New Zealand. We have missionaries in there. And the will of God is taken out of that whole process. And then a person goes out there, and they're doing, and they don't have what they need in them to meet the need or to give to others what they really need. So certain things take time. So if you feel you're on pause, that is fine. Just continue doing what you're doing. How many years do you think we sat in church, Jim, before the Lord started really using? How many years do you think? Sometimes 10, 8, 10, 12 years, 15 years. How old do you think Jesus was when he started his ministry? You can talk to me. I let you. They believe 30 years of age? What do you think he was doing for 30 years? <laughs> He's receiving from the Father, receiving from the Father. Hearing the scrolls read. And he's 12. You see that's 12 years. Things have already happened in his life. He's in there teaching and asking these questions. And they, they're, they say, what's going on with this kid? And then another 17 years, 18 years go by. Jesus knew enough at 12 to go into the ministry, didn't he? But he didn't. What, why not? He was waiting for the will of the Father. He was waiting, continually receiving, receiving, receiving from the Father until the ordained time. Then the Spirit drives him into the wilderness. Then he's tempted by the devil. Then he enters into his ministry, all in due time. So don't be discouraged if you have to wait. Matthew 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So in this verse, you have the false thing there, and you have an inward thing that isn't what it should be. And now when you move down to verse 20, therefore by their fruits... You will know them. 
you will know them. So you will be able to identify those who don't have the kingdom in them. You might not be able to recognize it (coughs) just by their words. But you will be able to know them by their fruit or the lack of fruit of holiness in their life or of um, character, the character of the Lord in their life. You'll be able to know them by that. Now he goes into verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God. But he who does, he who presently continually does the will of my Father in heaven. So in this verse alone, entrance into this kingdom area requires doing the will of the Father. Do you see that? Not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. So the ones who are presently continually doing the will of the Father They enter into this kingdom area now where they can begin to receive and function in kingdom principles that I talked about earlier. I'm trying to lay this out for you so you can see it. Verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Well, is it good to prophesy in his name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Well, isn't that a good thing? And have we not done many wonderful works in your name? So it's not what was done that was important. It's what was done in the will of God. Because he just got done saying in verse 21... He talks about doing the will of God. See, that's going to cause the person to enter into this other area. So it's not that what they did was bad. It's that what they did was not the will of God for them. See, it can be the will of God for someone else, but it wasn't the will of God for them. You say, well, how do you know it? How do you know it wasn't the will of God for them? Well, because Jesus says it. Verse 23. And then I will declare, I'll respond to you or to them, I never knew you. Uh, I didn't know your condition. Uh, I have not become acquainted with you. And Loanita's lexicon says that this word, uh, I I will declare means to come together. It's talking about an intimacy. So it it wasn't that these people didn't know the Lord. See, does the Lord know everyone? Yeah, he knows everyone. It wasn't that they weren't saved. That wasn't the issue. He's talking about doing the will of God and functioning in the kingdom area. He said, I didn't know you because you're over here functioning in this, when you are to be over here with me in something different. 
And so, have you, has anybody here ever had this desire to go to the soup kitchen? Nobody? You never had a desire to go down to Northside to the soup kitchen? I see a couple of you shaking your head, yes, you have. I'm not going to criticize you or say anything. I just want to know, has anybody ever had a desire to go? Have you ever had a desire to go somewhere and do something for the Lord? Well, these individuals, whoever they are, they had this desire to cast out demons and do many wonderful works in his name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. I never knew you in that. So what is the criteria here for casting out demons? What is the criteria for doing many wonderful works? See, What's the criteria for prophesying in your name, preaching in your name? Well, it's, it's the will of God, doing the will of God. What is the will of God for me? So the knowing of the Lord here is based on doing the will of God. Verse 24. Now from verse 24 through verse 27, I hope you're still following me here. In these verses here, this is talking about the foundation within a person. Verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his rock on, uh, house on the rock. Now listen, just because there's another verse here does not mean that what he's saying now is completely divorced from what he just said. Now, in my Bible, it shows that there's a, a, a paragraph, another subject. He's starting another subject, but I don't think it's another subject. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, see, hearing the sayings and doing the sayings equals what? The will of God for me. What I hear from the Lord and what I do is the will of God. They're related. It's all related. And the rains descended and floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall. And you know the story. Verse 24, not hearing and doing equates to not being prepared when the storms come. Hearing and doing equates to stability, stability when the storms come. So the hearing and doing is directly related to the will of God. Now in Romans, just a couple more verses, Romans 12. Do I want to know the will of God for my life? You know, I've, I've always prayed that prayer. Lord, show me your will. Show me your way so that I can follow you. And he's been faithful over the years to show me uh, his will. And sometimes the direction of his will changes. But in these verses here, there are some things that we must do as Christians that will help us to see the will of God. In verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you pre present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means presently. 
that's a present tense verb. That you present your bodies a living presently. Sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So that's one thing we are to do. Do not be conformed to this world. So that's the second thing. Don't be conformed to this present world. So present my body as a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to this world. The third thing here is that we would be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So there's three things here. Being that we would be a living sacrifice, not be conformed to this world, and be transformed. So those three things are very, very important. That's why they're, they're written, that's why Paul puts them in the verse. And those three things are to come before what you see in the latter part of verse 2. That, or do this for the purpose that you may prove uh, or you may test, you may determine what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God for you, for me. So if I'm not presenting myself as a living sacrifice and I am not being conformed, if I'm, not being, if I'm, if I'm conformed to the world, I'm being conformed to the world, I will not see the will of God. But if I'm, if I'm giving myself as a living sacrifice and I'm not being conformed to the world, and I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind, transformed by the Spirit of God, transformed by the Word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, that uh, you are purified through the words that I have spoken unto you. If that's occurring in our life, then we will be able to prove or test or determine, is maybe a better word, we will be able to determine the will of God for our lives. So many times Christians don't know the will of God for their life. They say, well, I don't know what's going on. Well, I mean, that, that can be okay. But if you have these three things operating in your life, these three things, then the Lord will reveal to you, he will communicate to you his will, what it is you are to be doing here and now. He, you will be able to determine the will of God for your life. And that's important because when our time of testing comes, we will know the will of God for our life. See, if we know what the will of God is for us, and we're moving in that, then when the time of testing comes, we can fall back on the will of God. I'm in the will of God. And I'm, I'm, I'm functioning in the will of God. And being in the will of God is the place in which he will strengthen you, he will help you, and he will, will bring you in and out of the test successfully. So if you don't remember anything today that I taught, just read Romans 1 and 2, 12, 1 and 2, and see if those three things are moving in your life. If they are moving in your life, you'll be fine. Because you'll be able to determine when the Lord brings his will and shows you certain things. You'll understand. You'll, you'll recognize it. You'll determine, now this is the way I need to go. And you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be able to walk in that. So it, it's not hard. So what scripture are you going to remember? Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
So spend some time later on today or this week and, and read that real carefully.